walk around a lot, so it's not like it's going to matter too much, but uh, at least try, at least try, maybe be tethered a little bit to my notes today. Man, I'm going to pick us back up on the power of prayer. We, we started off our year talking about the power of the Holy Spirit because we just can't function without the power of the Holy Spirit. Part of the return is returning to our roots, returning to where we come from and where we're born. Well, we're all born again believers, and being born again believers, it starts somewhere. It starts at the foot of Jesus, so we spent all, all of 2018, all of 2018 going through the Gospel of Luke. I mean, really digging in and driving. It took us, not Gospel of Luke, Gospel of Mark. It took us, it took us a a little over, I want to say, like 14, 15 months to go through the Gospel of Mark and, and really discover the great truth behind a lot of things that Jesus was teaching to his disciples. We kind of walked alongside all the disciples, and then we found ourselves at the very beginning of the book of Acts, and the Holy Spirit pouring itself out on here in the beginning of the new year, and we begin, we begin every weekend, begin praying for people, and every weekend opening our altars and, and laying hands on people and, and walking and functioning as the early church did. We uh, uh, Acts 2.42 talks about how they came together for prayer, which is what we're on talking about right now, how they came together for uh, a time of gathering. They, they came together over a meal. We do that every Wednesday. Uh, it's a part of uh, who we are as a family and how we develop and, and, and bring together everybody to share each other's burdens and become family is by eating together and hanging out together and, and, and making sure we spend adequate time knowing each other that it's not just, a, I never want to become the church and, I, and I've been to many of them that like I don't know half the people in there, I, there's no way to talk to really anybody, we're there for like 10 minutes of FaceTime and that's about it and we leave and, and, and I, I just never, I never wanted that, I always saw like uh, uh, small groups were good, some of these things were really good but to me they were always symptoms of something greater, it was so hard today for church to create family. It's so hard. You know, I was talking with a pastor uh, a a couple of weeks ago where he was talking about how hard it was at his church for people to leave. And, uh, and I, and I was thinking, man, that's, that's horrible because to me, like my, well, you know, my kid, uh, you know, Rachel at a time she left for OC. Well, she's not that she's not my kid. Like she can come home anytime she wants, right? I mean, like, so I don't understand how the church should be any different, you know, like, well, I'm going over here to this church. Well, this doesn't mean like yeah, but we're family, so you can kind of come and go. That's, that's kind of what family is like okay with, right? If, you, if we're all brothers, and like I don't care where my brothers go to church. I'm just glad that they go to church. doesn't mean I don't see them for Thanksgiving or I don't see them for Christmas because, hey, you go over here now. So we can't be. And it's not like that. So like there's so much weird things that happens. And, and, and part of this journey for us has been how do we return? What does the return look like? And it's all been this like self-discovery of going back, walking with Jesus, right? Uh, 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 discovering once more the power of the Holy Ghost and when it infills us and being able to lay hands and believe people are going to be healed, believe people are going to be saved, believe that the, the power of the Holy Spirit is going to fall, that people are going to speak in tongues and supernatural things are going to happen. And now one of those things that has to root us in the power of the Holy Spirit is prayer, our prayer life. And, and when Jesus came to the earth and he was talking, we talked about this last week, he didn't say, hey, my house is the house of the Holy Spirit. My house is the house. And he said, my house is the house of prayer. My house is the place where people talk to me, tell me things, ask me things, discuss things with me. Not the house of all these other things we'd like to make it, but the house of prayer. And prayer is something that's so difficult and so hard. And we, we like never know. We, like we want to formulate prayer. We really do. We would love for there to be a formula. Like if I pray this certain way, 
it's going to happen every time. Well, that unfortunately doesn't work that way, does it? I know that there have been times, though, that I know in my own life where I've seen prayer do some amazing things. And it, like, changed me at the right time. I can't tell you how many times God has either not answered me or probably just said no, and I, I'm too stubborn to hear it. I can't tell you how many times that I've prayed and thought it was fruitless. What I can tell you, there's been some very instrumental times in my life where God answered my prayers, and it shifted me. It changed my heart. One of those moments was back in uh, Washington State. I'm still struggling with drugs and alcohol. I just got married to Joy. I chased her all the way up there, 2,200 miles, twice, twice. You know, you might be in love if you chase a woman 44,000 miles, you know. And, and chased her all the way up there. We get married. We're struggling. You know, when I was in Texas, I could make money. I, I had a great job. I was doing really, really well. We went up there so she could be next to her family because I love my wife and my wife loves her family. Therefore, I go wherever she wants to go. And uh, we move up there and everything. I, I've got a job, but it's hard. It's not really paying the bills. So I've got a second job. Uh, um, and it was humbling. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't want to sound like I'm too prideful, but at the age of 24, I was very lucky to find a job here in the Metroplex uh, up in Dallas where I was taking home about a thousand bucks a week. I'm not trying to brag that's a lot or a less. What I am saying at 24, that seemed like a whole lot of money. Uh, and uh, I only had a wife. I didn't have like kids. So it just seemed like a whole lot of money, right? I always tell people when I see them, they don't have kids. I'm like, oh, because you're rich. You're rich. You don't have kids. Yeah. Yeah, but I know, I, I know how reality is, guys. But, but like, that's kind of how the thing was. We didn't have kids. I thought, man, that's a lot of money. And then we go to Washington. I'm doing the same job, but, it, but there's hardly any work there, so there's hardly any money coming in. And then I have to take a second job, and my second job is what's making me furious. I'm literally pumping gas, and I'm literally changing tires, and I'm having to do things around the shop to make ends meet. And my wife, on the other hand, is a hostess at a restaurant, also being a nanny as well. And between our four jobs, we're still struggling. We're still not making enough money to make it work. It's not a lack of work ethic, obviously. We're just not making enough. And it was the first time for me to feel like this huge responsibility. Here I am. I'm newly married. My wife is my responsibility. I feel the weight of that as a young man, and I really want to take care of my wife. You know, it's that early part where you're still like, I got to impress her still. I know we're married. It's, it's pretty much a done deal, right? It's like a contract. She said, I do. She can't get out of it now, right? Without really embarrassing herself. Okay, so I got her, but I kind of want to keep her. And, and I'm thinking this is kind of a big deal. And I, I, I've, I've, I, we're struggling to make ends meet. The rent is due. Uh, and it's, not, it's like 500 bucks. It's, it's not a lot, but it's, uh, when you don't have anything, it's a lot. And, and I don't know how it's going to happen. Um, I'm not due to get any kind of significant check that's going to make this happen. And honestly, I had never been late on anything up at that point. So to me, like today, I would not be as worried about that because obviously at 45, I've been late on a few bills a couple times. Amen. Okay, I'm the only one. No amens on that one. All right, all right. I'm sorry. I'm preaching to the wealthy here. I, my bad. Uh, but anyway, so, so I, I, I kind of know my fair share of that, right? And so, uh, you know, uh, back then, though, that was a very different thing for me. Like, I felt like that's kind of a big deal. It's my, kind of my word is my bond. I feel like, you know, I'm breaking my word somehow. I, just can't, I can't figure out how this is going to happen. And it deeply uh, troubles me. Now, even though I'm struggling with drugs and alcohol, I'm in church like every Sunday, every Wednesday, 
I am, if they ask me to, like the pastor was like, hey, I need to go pray this demon out of somebody, like I am there, which I, I'm not sure I'm the right guy for that job at that time, but like, like I love Jesus, you know, like I love Jesus and I want to be wherever God's people are and that, that desires in me to be available, to be where, where, wherever he's going to be or wherever I'm asked to be when it comes to the church. And so, and the little first assembly there that we were going to is so little tiny little thing uh, that we got married at. And, and while I'm there, uh, um, you know, I, I have no prayer life outside of just like praying the same prayers like every, you know, young person prays, which is usually, please get me out of this. Please get me out of that. Please, you know, it's something selfish to some degree like that. Lord, I need your hands, not your face right now, right? I need the handout, God, right? Come on, God, be my welfare, right? That, that's literally the prayers that I prayed back in then. But I remember my record broke down. And, and that's what I was driving for a living, a record. And my record broke down. I had no money. How am I going to pay the rent? And uh, the interesting thing, my brother-in-law calls me. He goes, hey, I've got this call. His record was working. And, and, and uh, he's like, hey, I'm going to Seattle. I need somebody to ride with me just for the sake of it's a long drive. You know, uh, will you drive with me to Seattle? Okay, yeah, yeah, I've got nothing else to do. I'm not making any money. Why not? I, can get, I mean, misery loves company, right? So I get in the wrecker, and we're in Toledo, Washington, and we're loading up the car. And I remember uh, praying. As soon as he got out, it's weighing on me so hard that I, like, I'm on the edge of crying, you know, but I don't want to show it because I'm too tough for that, you know. And, and uh, uh, so I'm, I'm in the middle of it. I'm sitting there. I'm praying. And the, the Lord uh, begins to talk with me and uh, or at least I, I'm thinking he does, right? And it's just this deal where I'm praying and I'm going, Lord, um, I know that I'm not completely right before you. I know that I'm struggling with drugs and alcohol. I know that I'm struggling these things. But Lord, if you'll help me this time, like I will quit, you know? And believe me, I've prayed that empty prayer a lot. I say empty because I'm not sure that was a truthful statement. What I, can't, what I do think is maybe at this time it was so overwhelming to me with it wasn't just me now. It was me and joy and feeling this pressure, Lord, it's not, this is not just about me. This is about us now. And I feel this weight and this responsibility, Lord. So I need, I need help, God. And I remember crying and, and literally being as sincere as I could be. And it's just a little quiet prayer like, Lord, I need help here. I, I need an answer. I need you to help me here. And if you can help me in some way, I promise you that I'll, I'll get right. And I remember my brother-in-law getting in, like, right in the middle of that, just ruining that whole, like, really nice, precious moment with the Lord. Like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, man, I'm, man, I'm in here crying, dude. Thank you. You know? I mean, it's never perfect, right? It's just never perfect. It's never how you want it to be. It's, I wish I could tell the story, and it was this very serene setting, and it's like Jesus, you know, like, where he just goes to lonely places and prays. Mine are not like that. You know, I don't have that luxury at that time. I'm in the wrecker, this big, you know, international wrecker praying, and... Jeff, my brother-in-law, gets in, and he's like, dude, he didn't even know what I prayed. He just says, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. God is good. It'll be all right. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's all good. It's all good. And uh, got something in my eye, you know. And, uh, and, and we're driving out of town, and there's a hill that goes way up. And as we're coming up the hill, he goes, did you see that car? And I'm like, yeah, I saw the car. What? what? As, you know, he goes, man, I think I might know who that is. And so he turns around and he follows back. He goes right to our shop, right, where we're both driving records out of. And it was AAA coming to give us bonus checks because we had done so well over the past few months. They were coming to give us a bonus check, and I received just a little bit more than I needed to pay the rent. 
And can I tell you, I never did drugs or alcohol, never did drugs or alcohol after that. It scared me. The guy I drove all the way from Seattle, so he'd been driving for three hours. I hadn't even prayed yet, but the answer had already been given. You know how many times I've prayed after that, and I feel like I never still have an answer? Or still, God never says a word. But before I even prayed that prayer, God had already sent an answer. It changed my life. It changed my life. I hang on to those things. These are the truths in my life that I hang on to. And this is where I believe God's called us. This is why the power of prayer is so phenomenal. It, can, it doesn't just change your outcome based off your circumstances. It changes your heart. Because those were the little, little bitty things that God, the little butterfly effects in my life that would shift me to this position. From just the 20-year-old guy driving a wrecker, trying to get off drugs and alcohol, to the 40-year-old guy who's preaching and trying to build a church. It's those little things that built this man. And it's those little things that build you. There's so much to pray for. There's so much to pray for. There's so many people for us to pray for today. And I know that it can be overwhelming at times. And I know, I see the scale of how things are. I see how the news is. I see how these things are. But I'm telling you, it could be intimidating. I know. And I also think that, man, sometimes we pray and we, we feel frustrated. We feel as if... Anything we say doesn't matter, like it's never going to make a difference. And so oftentimes we just don't pray. We feel defeated, right? And I think that's what the devil wants. I do. I think that's what the devil wants. He wants us to feel as if the things we speak to God don't matter. And that's not true. That's not true. When we look at the scriptures, we find people who are a lot in the same circumstances that we are. It's really not much different. I know we want to make it archaic or savage because it seems so long ago. I mean, they didn't have cell phones, Pastor Jim. Hey, listen, with all their technology, we're not too much, uh, we're not too much different. And I think that should be a great revelation to us and a sign of hope, right? Because God did answer them, and I think he still answers us. And really, man, I, I, I think that God sees us. I believe God hears us. And I believe he will respond to you. And I believe he will answer to you. Amen. This is our objective to understand this, to understand how power, the power of prayer works. Right? So that you don't give up hope. The biggest probably thing we could really study if we wanted to stay at it is really learn how to have perseverance. How do we stay going? Like all of us, uh, nobody, everybody don't mind a 100-yard dash because you can see the finish line, but nobody wants to run the marathon. But that's what life is. Life is the marathon. I'm telling you, I know rock and roll said it's better to burn out and fade away, but that's a lie. That's a lie. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Habakkuk. We're going to dive into a, a, a prayer that Habakkuk prayed. We're going to read about the circumstance that would cause him to pray. And I think we're going to, I'm, I'm going to try, I'm going to try to show us how we relate, how we pull all this together with us and, and our culture and where we're at today. We're going to be at Habakkuk chapter 1. Chapter 1, very first chapter. Going to keep it simple, first four verses, keep it really easy, and then I'll, I'll get into the rest of Habakkuk, but for right now, we'll be in the first four verses. If you're there, say amen. amen. All right, I like this group. Habakkuk 1, 1 through 4. This is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere. 
I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed, and there's no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. Now let's pray real quick for God to sow that seed into us. Lord, right now, this is the very, th- the very beginning now of your word that we read, Father. The things that you want us to glean from it, God. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes and our hearts today that we may hear your voice through this, God. Through your word, God. And Lord, you would rekindle, relight, stroke the fire within us, God, so that we may be the light of the world. In Jesus' name, everyone says amen. Amen. So any of this sound familiar? I mean, it should because it really does closely resemble our time. It really sounds a lot like our culture and and, and this generation. How many times have you cried out like this, you know, God, uh, because something wasn't fair? God, this isn't fair. I mean, that's what he's basically crying out. This isn't just I mean, I've had many times in my life where I can agree with King David in asking the redundant question, Lord, how come the wicked seem to prosper? How come everything they touch turns to gold and the righteous are starving? Lord, how is that? Why is that? I, I, I feel that same call that the psalmist does, right? It doesn't take any longer than a few minutes of watching the news to get a look at evil. Come on. Destruction, violence, it's all there. I mean, just, just if you watched it yesterday, you saw the shooting of the guy who got, you know, he got his job. He lost his job after 15 years. So he went in there and he shot everybody that was in the room that fired him. It happened. I mean, this is violence. This is destruction. It's all, it's all out there. We see tre- people treated unfairly. We see the justice system is messed up. It would appear at times with enough money, you could buy your way out of anything. Amen. Uh, maybe we're not as advanced as we think we are. Maybe, we're not, maybe there's really nothing new. Like, like Solomon said, there's really nothing new under the sun when it comes to mankind. This is what Habakkuk was dealing with. He was, I, I call it, passionately irritated. We know a lot of the people like that on Facebook, I think. They're angry by what they see every day. Right? My question is, why aren't we angry at times about what we see? Because we should be sometimes. Maybe some of you don't see, and if that's true, you have to look again, because not, you can't even look in the mirror without seeing the evidence of sin at times. I mean, look in your own life. You're going to find out where you struggle. It's everywhere. It saturates everything, and it should disturb us. It should provoke us and push us into holy anger. By the way, holy anger should be driving us to our knees, not to Facebook, not to rant, not to have a soapbox. You're just another one out there. You know the one that needs to be heard, the one on your knees as you're giving it to the Lord, telling him what what you need. Lord, this is what this culture needs. There's so much to pray for. I mean, come on. Just look at a lot of, these are just some of the things that I was jotting down, right? Things that I've looked up in the past, things that I've known uh, that that just overwhelm me. Uh, For instance, 3 million people today are living on less than $2 a day. Come on. 700 and... 790 million people are chronically malnourished. Almost a billion. Come on, man. There's an estimated 133 million orphans worldwide. Sad. Estimated 27 million people living in slavery, human trafficking all over the globe, including in the United States as well. I mean, I saw a video the other day. Terrifying, man. People just be grabbing kids. Horrifying. 
In 2015, because uh, the, this is the last kind of statistical data, America aborted 639,000 babies. And that was only what was reported. Today, we're already passing laws so that doctors can kill babies as soon as they come out of the womb. There's a governor, what is it, governor out of Virginia that was talking about it, passing a law so that as soon as it comes out, you have within so many minutes, you could still kill it. Crazy talk. The days of Manasseh. We haven't studied that, but the Manasseh was the king who murdered babies during his time, sacrificed them to the God of Baal, which might as well have been the God of pleasure and comfort. Homosexuality has become the new spoiled child. It cries so loud in its desire to justify a sinful practice. I don't know about you, but I can't watch anything without seeing it. You know, if I watch TV, I would think homosexuality made up 40 to percent of our population instead of two instead of two i'm just saying why does it get that much exposure because it cries the loudest we always deal with the baby that cries the loudest that's just how it is can i tell you though there's a lot of i'm, I'm going to be honest step away from my nose because that's one of those things that bug me I, I don't i don't i don't have a thing of i don't hate uh, uh, somebody who's practicing in homosexuality. I don't believe in their homosexuals. I believe in there's people who practice homosexuality. They, in, they indulge and they engage in their sin. All right? They, they willingly choose to do so. Okay. Okay. Right? That, you, you have the freedom to totally ruin your life. I know what that's like. I've taken that freedom and I've tried to ruin mine too. God rescued me from that. I get that. I think they just need Jesus. Praise the Lord. I'm going to love them right where they're at. Praise the Lord. What, I, what I've struggled with, I think the hardest thing that I've think, had probably with homosexuality is maybe a little bit of bitterness because I've watched so many people that were great individuals in the church fall into homosexuality and now justify it. Honestly, they're doing it through churches now. There's one girl, I remember she, she got up in, in youth camp and she had a powerful testimony of, of coming from drugs and alcohol and this and she's like, but man, I, I'm saved and the Lord's doing this thing in my life. And she said these words, and I remember it made me just cry. She goes, I am the remedy of my generation. And I went, oh my gosh, that's so powerful. And she's totally engaged in homosexuality today, leading worship for an LGBT, whatever that is, church that's calling themselves Christians, practicing homosexual Christian church. And she's leading worship there. God, I'm going to tell you something, man. This, you know why we need prayer? Because the devil is taking some of our best, some of our best, and is using them against us. By the way, that's not unprecedented. I don't know if you remember, but when Saul was jealous of David, he pushed David over to the Philistines. And you know what David did in the hands of the Philistines? He conquered nations. So much so they were always worried about David. They were always worried about him. You realize that is God's chosen man working for the enemy of God's people. And I guarantee you, if the, if the Philistines hadn't pushed it and kept pushing him and pushing him, he probably would have stayed there. And the guy that was meant to lead us would have just stayed with the enemy. And I'm telling you, if you don't think the devil wants your kids and you don't think the devil wants some of our greatest talents and some of our greatest gifted individuals, you are not in your right mind. You better be in prayer for this next generation because the devil will take our most gifted kids and utilize them in ways that will that, that he'll take God's gift in them and use them in ways we never thought possible. Make no mistake about it. There's a lot to pray for, and there's a lot at stake. I'm already seeing it, man. I watch kids grow up, man, and they're leaving the faith all, all the time. It, it bothers me. The list goes on, right? 
Luckily, I'm, I don't want to even give any more statistics, right? Statistics are depressing. I mean, there's not really any good news. It's hard to feel good about anything when there's just so much tragedy, so much evil, so much sin. But I've got to be honest, even, and, and I, even I struggle to believe sometimes that God's at work in all this because I can't physically see what he's doing all the time. I mean, sometimes what God is doing is invisible. Amen? I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't know he was already sending somebody from Seattle. I had no idea. By the way, I might not have prayed if I didn't know that, right? Like, oh, God, okay, you woke me up this morning, left me a voicemail. Back then, we didn't have, okay, could, have could have said left me a message on my pager. Yeah. Yeah. Told me, hey, man, I got it worked out. You don't even need to pray. I got this. No, no, no. God allows my heart to be broken. He allows that thing to happen. He'd already answered me. He knew it was going to happen, right? I, I, regardless of what's visible, regardless of what we see, right, there has to be this place where faith rises up in us, right? The whole, the whole idea of having the power of the Holy Ghost within us is not that we have any, uh, any power in and of our own flesh, right? It's the power of God residing within us, doing amazing things within us, right? That power gives me hope. Hope that what? That God is at work in all of these things. So when I pray for something, God's at work. I know that God is at work. I can't see God. I don't know what he's doing, but I've had experiences with God. You have too, where you know that God is at work. You don't know what he's doing. You don't know how he's going to do it. You don't know if he's going to do it the way you want it. But what you have learned to do is trust him that God is who he says he is. He will do what he says he's going to do. Amen. You do know this, right? So this is what makes us different than the rest of the world. So you don't have to go to work bitter and angry and mad about your circumstance or when your situation isn't the most pleasant and you're waiting on God to do something because you know why? You have hope, hope in something greater than you. It's out of your hands. You can't get it all done, but that's okay. You have a God who can. And so your hope is what allows you to walk in the world with a smile when everybody else is frowning. They don't have that same hope. Right. By the way, if all they ever see us walking around is in doubt and in bitterness and in angry and everything else, why do they want to come to that church? I don't want to go to that church. I've met a few of those churches. Misery does love company, though, so some of those are packed. God is our hope. That's what makes us different in our culture. So what are we going to do? We pray, man, because when we pray, we have what? Expectations. That's right. Because we serve a God who answers us sometimes before we can even understand or see what's happening. Habakkuk 1.5. Look at the next verse. The Lord replied, look around at the nations. Look and be amazed, for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. So God, let me break it down real easy. God says to Habakkuk, look around. I am doing something. Habakkuk can't see it, though. Because what God is doing is beyond him. It's beyond his imagination. It's beyond his reasoning. It's, it's beyond his thinking. And I'm pretty sure, uh, if you read the rest of the book, he's not going to like it. All right? Habakkuk can't put all the pieces of the puzzle together, and therefore his prayers have reached like this desperate proportions. God says, I am doing something. See it? And God, Habakkuk's like, I can't see it. Well, trust me. It's being done. It, by the way, it's a kind of a good thing. He can't see it, right? Habakkuk says to God, this is my prayer then, answer me. And God says to Habakkuk, yeah, I have answered you. I think that's us a lot. <laughs> God, I just want an answer. I already answered. How many times do I got to tell you? 
The funny thing is, you, we think God, we always see him loving, right? But God is like your mom too sometimes, man. You know, you ever read about it in the Old Testament when he says, you stiff-necked people? Come on. <laughs> That's like right out of something your mom would say. I have told you, man, you're a stiff-necked little, I'm telling you. I mean, like, God is a parent in this moment, right? I, I did tell you, God answered me. I am answering you. Open your ears. Clean them suckers out. I mean, don't you think that's how it is sometimes? You think that sometimes we're just missing that moment, that moment when we're so focused on our issue or on our pain, on everything that's us, 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 that we can't see or hear the answer to our prayer? You know, one of the coolest stories that I got to see kind of manifest in, in my life uh, is, is a prayer that Joy prayed. When I first met Joy, some of you, you've only, if you've only seen her in the last couple of years or only just met her, uh, you, didn't, you probably didn't realize this, but the Joy I married looked a little different. The joy I married had a, a, a different smile. And uh, when I met her, I didn't even notice. Like, this is something she talks about for me. I didn't notice uh, uh, until she changed it. Uh, but uh, I always, like, when we first got married, I'm attracted to her. Everything's been great. But one of the things she was consistent about is, like, I've never liked my smile. I've always had this tooth out of place. And, and I've never thought my smile. And she would eat always, like, covering up her mouth. And she would, you know, she would always want to be like this, the way she talked and everything. And, and, uh, and I just thought it was cute. I didn't pay attention to any of that kind of thing. Uh, and she had told me early on, even when we were first married, you know, 23 years ago, it was like, uh, you know, uh, man, one day, I, uh, you know, I want you, you know, I want you to make enough money where uh, I can get braces. And uh, and and uh, and I was like, what do you need braces for? Like, you look fine. Like, he goes, yeah, but it's ever since I was like 15, I just always like my parents were always poor and they never had the money. It's like, baby, well, as soon as we make enough money, it's going to happen. Well, we had kids and joy, if you know her. There's nothing that she will do for herself. She does not want to do something for herself if her kids are right there. She will pour that out first. Uh, and that's where her mindset is. You have to like almost make the only thing that I think could make her shift is if we offered her the beach as some kind of thing. Then she'd be like, okay, the heck with my kids. I'm going to the beach. But that, that I mean, like literally, I think out of all the things, that's probably it. And so she's at 15. She's crying out to God, God, I want braces. Right? She's got this poor family. Dad's struggling with drugs. But she wants braces. Not going to happen. Right? So she grows up with this consciousness that she's never going to be, you know, really pretty because she has this mouth that she has to cover up all the time and laughs and giggles and everything else. And, and this, is her, this is her life, right? And we, we get older and years go by. And, man, we for, I don't want to say we forget about it. It comes up off, you know, here and there, but not like a lot. You know, yeah, one day we're going to get to it, baby. It's going to happen. It's going to, you know. But kids happen, and she's dogmatic. We're going to put our money at this here. And then ministry happens, and then all of a sudden we're here. And it's just, it just is what it is. Life goes on, right? Life goes on. And that's just something that just was way back there. And that was an old dream and an old prayer that, you know, back when you were a kid. And, and it seems foolish now, that almost kind of thing. And it seems forgotten about, right? And then all of a sudden, somebody contacts Joy and says, Hey, there's an opening up here at Kane's Orthodontics, and would you be interested in having a job? And she's like, you know, I hadn't worked in like, 10 years or better, you know, I, I don't know, I've been a stay-at-home mom this whole time, I, yeah, and, and then she goes, well, you know, you get free braces, <laughs> so she goes and talks to them, right, and they hire her, she's been there over five years now, and so the smile you see today, is she got free braces, and God, there, there was this time where we just, probably that first year she was in braces, and, and I remember when she first got them off, she just cried, she prayed 
a prayer when she was 15. Had to wait till her mid-30s to see it answered. And not only did God give her braces, but God paid for it. And then he, and then he paid for our kids to have braces because our kids get braces for free there too. And then she gets to give that smile to everybody else now. And she knows what it's like to want that smile. So here, here she is, all forgotten. You know, the Lord's, that was a prayer when I was a kid. It seemed like a, such a selfish prayer to her. But God didn't forget it. God stashed it away and said, oh, you just don't understand, Joy. I've got to move some things on the chessboard here. You've got to realize there's some other things that have to happen first for me to open that door for you. And when I open that door for you, it's going to be the right time. Right? And that's a long wait. You know that like Abraham and Sarah, they waited a long time to have a child. But God honored his promise. Joy prayed that at, the, at such a young age where she barely knew the Lord at all. And she chalked it up as that was either a selfish prayer or God said no. But God never said no. God actually said yes. And God just, he took his time on getting it done. And listen, because it was the right time. Her heart was in a place where she could see God from a big scale. She, she had this revelation where God had heard me all those years ago. Not, which made her look at her life and go, you realize now that means like maybe every prayer I prayed is just a matter of timing for God. And it's a matter of when, not if. It's powerful. That's powerful to experience. It didn't have that. That's not my prayer being answered at 15. That's watching joy's life. That's watching it from someone else. And can I tell you, it's inspiring. It's truly inspiring. It makes me think that any prayer that I pray is never a wasted prayer. It's just a matter of time. Powerful, man. That's what walks us in hope. That's why I can be happy when it seems like everything's dreadful. That's why I can offer hope when it seems there is none. Why? Because I know my God is good. My God is big. My God walks through decades like their days. Powerful. God hears every prayer you pray. Even the prayers you're sending up now, God hears them. Joy prayed for braces at a young age, and she held out for years. And she didn't forget. When it came time to get them, she remembered the prayer, right? And through her obedience to follow the call that God had on her life, he answered that prayer. Powerful. God was telling Joy, see, I have answered your prayer, right? You don't see it yet. Sound familiar to Habakkuk? You don't see it yet, Joy. But I've already set things up in motion to make it happen. Yeah, you, you can't see what I'm doing. I, I don't make all things visible to you. You might not want to know, right? Hello, Joseph. Oh, yeah, all my brothers are going to bow down. Yeah, bro, but uh, let me, you know what? As, as God, I'm going to just unveil my plan, Joseph. Here's what I need to happen first so we can get all your brothers to bow down and this to happen. I just need you to get thrown into slavery and make you feel like all your brothers abandon you and hate you. And then we need you to be uh, accused of rape as a slave. And you need to sit in the dungeon and wonder if you're ever going to come out of that again. And then I'm going to do a miracle. How many of you are like, I'm totally in God. I'm down with that. Can't wait to be accused of rape. Okay. Right? No, God doesn't share everything. He doesn't share all the heartache. Listen, it wasn't easy to get to Marble Falls. It wasn't easy to get to this place. There were a lot of crazy things that happened in our life along the way that challenged us. Are we really called? Because, man, do we really want to jump into ministry? Do we really want everything that comes with that? You know how hard it is? I'm going to tell you, if you talk to pastors and you talk to other uh, ministers, one thing they'll tell you, if, you're not, if you don't have a strong marriage, you better not get in ministry because it'll destroy you. 
It'll destroy. Do we really want to jump in on this? Do we, are we really ready for all of this? But as we were obedient, as we continued to pray and beginning to push our trust in the Lord, the Lord began to, we begin to see how big God really is. And can I tell you, I don't just like live vicariously through the prayers of joy. I do it through yours too. When God does something great for you, you know what I do? I chalk it up as a victory to heaven. I get happy. I, I recall on some of the testimonies you have, right? As why? As, as in a way to overcome the things or obstacles in my life. Uh, by the way, do you remember how Revelation states they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and what? The power of what? The testimony, right? And you got more than one. It's more than just how you got saved. It's how God answered your prayer at 15. And you knew God, the invisible God that nobody can see is real because you prayed that prayer. You know that it came to pass. You were in that record, crying your eyes out, telling God, getting real. And God had already sent an answer three hours before. Those are your testimonies. Those are the things you live by. You live by those times where you know that the invisible God, nobody can see, that all question is real. You now see him. Physically see him, and you see his handwork. You see what he can do. Now let's look back. I want to look back and come back and turn to chapter 3. Chapter 3. This is, we're going to look back and see the result of Habakkuk witnessing the answer to his prayer. Verse 1 and 2, chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. The prayer, this prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. Man, you know it's good when you guys sing it. I get that way about food. Mm. <laughs> Heath knows, right? Remember, we were at Chili's one time. The lady started singing about because the, the plate I got was so good. She liked it too. It was like her favorite. She started singing. She goes, oh, I got you the shrimp tacos. I was like, oh, I'm going to like tip her real good. When you come out singing my food, I start getting happy. <laughs> this prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. I have heard all about you, Lord. I'm filled with all by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. You see, this is what happens when our faith begins to reach inside what is spiritual. When our faith is exercised and used in believing that God is who he says he is, we begin to sing. We begin to praise God. Amen. Habakkuk reveals that he is filled with awe at what God has done. Like, I, I didn't see it before. I'm sorry I questioned it at all, but now I do. Right? And the very first step in getting through any difficult situation is first remembering what God has done in the past. What has God done for you? Only you know that. That's your story. How has God answered your prayer? See, joy, I just told you how we remind ourselves, right? You've heard, you get to hear my stories. I try to bring them up so you can hear how my life has lived, right? You've heard my stories. Shekinah glory is falling down in church. I've seen some crazy things. I've seen people get healed. I've seen all, these are things that I hang on to, right? I remind myself. I've seen these things. These aren't fake. These aren't false. I think one of the most bizarre things that I ever had to learn in life is, and, and early on in ministry is how little I have to do with anything when it comes to the power of God. When I first started preaching, I remember Joy's grandfather. He gets me up there on the pulpit and I'm preaching and it's the worst sermons that you can ever hear. And, and they're, they're horrible, horrible. It was like, hey, let's put a bonfire up on the stage because everybody loves staring at fire. That's literally how it was, because I was on fire. I, I, I was ready to preach the rafters down, and I just, you know, it's kind of like a football team. You just kind of yell the name a lot, so I just knew if I yelled Jesus enough, I'm going to get some amens, right? <laughs> Jesus on the cross, amen? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's horrible. Yeah, it's not good preaching. But you just say stuff, and it like you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I just know that I that I love Jesus, and and that's how it was. And I remember when he's like, "Yeah, you need to like let's lay hands on people." I'm like, "Uh, okay." I mean, I'm, I'm this guy who didn't even come from church, and now you're pressing me into the Pentecostal realm. I'm just getting used to this. Let's not paint me up and put me out on the football thing yet, you know, where I'm like the painted guy. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm like you're still in the Baptist row, right? I'm, I'm not fully in the Pentecostal row, but I'm working on it. And, and, but he's like, no, you need to get in there. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, how do I know? He's like, it'll be God. It won't be you. Get over yourself. And I'm like, uh, okay. And I remember these people came up, and I remember laying hands, and I'm like, okay. And this person fell down. I'm like, I didn't even feel anything. I'm not sure how I did that. And I would ask him later. He's like, because you did it. You didn't do that. That was the Lord. I pray for this other person and they start speaking in tongues. And I pray for this other person and all these things are happening. I remember thinking, okay, that was cool. But like, I have no idea. Like, I've never felt more empty and more void in my life. Like, I, I didn't feel anything. Like, I, if anything, I think I laid hands on them as a skeptic. Like, I'm not sure I'm doing anything. I'm doing what I'm told to do. I'm new here. I'm new. I'm just trying to lay hands on you. And what's neat is like, what, here's what the Lord began to work with me on some things. This one lady I prayed for who was a new in the church, she came back. And within the following week, you know, one of her testimonies was, I had been, I'd had a birth defect and I've been on this medication my entire life. But as you prayed for me, I felt the power of the Holy Spirit come upon me. And I went to the doctor and the doctor said, I don't know what happened, but you don't need this medication anymore. And God wrecked me. I didn't do anything. I didn't feel anything. I think we're like, uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but I read that part where it says they just felt the hem of his garment and he felt the power go out of him, you know? And I'm a big sci-fi nerd, so I'm like trying to like put my mind to that. So it's like this force field thing that goes into him. Like, 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 how does that work where you feel the power come out of you? Like, I don't even feel the power. How, what can come out of me if I already feel empty? Sometimes I think maybe that was the trick. Maybe if I quit being so full, I could be more powerful. Hmm, there's a whole lot of sermon right there. But that's, that's, that's the way, these are the things that the Lord reminds me of when I get, when I get cynical or when I get uh, uh, curious or, or wondering what, what's going on. Like the Lord reminds me, man, remember your walk. Remember the things we've done. Walk, walk the walk of faith. Walk the walk of faith. Remember, God honors the things that we pray for. God, I, I prayed in, in all earnesty, just totally relying on God to do what God's going to do. When we, when we open the altars after worship today, I have no idea what God's going to do. I'm going to believe that God's going to do something great. I'm going to believe that God's going to pour out his Holy Ghost. I believe that God's going to uh, give some of you a new prayer language. I believe God's going to give some of you a new song in your life because some of you need a new song in your life. I, I'm believing that God's going to do some great things in your life. Why? Because that's what I've seen him do. And listen, did it happen every time? No, no. But I'm going to tell you where it did happen. It did happen at the altar. It did happen when we prayed. That's when it was happening. It did. I've had more times when I was praying or at the altar, God show up than I ever did when I was sitting. Not to say you've heard my stories. I've had God say something while I'm sitting. All right, that has happened. But I'm going to tell you more things have happened in the altar than not. Mainly because that's usually the place I come because I, I have to admit that I don't know anything and that I am empty. Lord, for all the knowledge I have, I find out that the more I know, the less I know. 
You know, I think the greatest truth I've ever heard today that still stands and resonates with me is anytime I talk to an older generation, say when I say older, I mean like 80s and so forth, 90s. And I talk to this generation that come from a long time ago. That's the one thing they will say to me. I would like, what's the greatest truth that's carried you through the entire time? They'll say, man, that Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. And I used to think as a young man, it's like, oh, my gosh, like, bro, that's like Sunday School 101. But I'm going to tell you, as you get older, it really is the greatest truth. It's a powerful truth that holds you still. It holds you to everything else. You can learn all the stuff you want to learn in your life, but some of the greatest thing you'll ever learn is when you're empty. You need to be emptied out. Some of you have been full of way too much other stuff. You can't be made full of anything else. And you got to be emptied out. And that's what your prayer needs to be. But God can hear your prayer, and he does hear your prayer. Right? Habakkuk, you know, one of the neat things about him is he didn't draw inspiration from prayers that he prayed. No, he remembered what the Bible had said. Remember, the scripture is very clear. He says, help us again as you did in years gone by. In simple terms, he's saying, I've heard what you've done then. I want you to do it now. I've heard of all the other things that people have said about you, God. I want you to start doing them now. I heard of the days of Moses. I've heard of King David. I've heard of all these guys. But do it now. Do it in my generation. How many of you would say the same, right? How many of you would love to see a move of God in your generation? Right? Like, like, like what he says, like that's never been seen before. To, to quote another preacher that I think really captures this, he says, this prayer, talking about Habakkuk, is one of the most remarkably beautiful poetic passages in all the scriptures. Read it and see how the prophet is doing nothing more or less than going back and remembering what God has done in the past. This is what convinces Habakkuk that God can be trusted. He rests upon events that have already occurred events which cannot be questioned or taken away or shaken in any way the great fact that God has already moved in human history and this is where faith must rest we do not live by blind faith we live with a God who has acted physically in time and space who has done something who has indelibly okay recorded his will in the progress of human events there's no doubting who God is. No doubt. This is, this is just true. This is what we have to remind ourselves as we approach the prayer closet. When we get ready to come to the altar, we don't approach God, will he? No, God will. Oh, is it going to be in your time? Well, I don't know. But we don't come to the altar thinking God won't. That's foolishness. Listen, we, we might struggle. We might... We might worry about what, how to interpret something God might tell us, but God is going to talk with us. God is going to answer us. You might not like the answer. You might not like the silence sometimes. Sometimes silence is an answer. You know, I've said this in here a lot because I love my mentor, Merle Adams. He's passed away for five years now, and, and uh, I'll never forget the simplest thing to me that Merle would say. Merle tells me the story how he's praying in his car on the way home, and, and uh, it's, it's a really silly story because he's like i'm praying in my car on the way home and everything is so tough and it's so hard you know i'm having this rough day and i'm like lord you know i really i'm, I'm trying to make this decision in my life and i really need an answer god and, and and i'm just praying so hard in my car on the way home and he, and he goes and he's like climactic he's building it up for me and i'm like and and and, uh, and i go well what did he say and merle goes he didn't say anything <laughs> and i'm in the meantime as a guy who's being mentored i'm going that's a dumb story 
Moral goes, Moral goes, I, I think God is sometimes silenced because I think, I think those are just moments where he's teaching us that we're supposed to lean on him. Not everything's about having answers. Sometimes it's just about God saying, I just need to learn to lean on me. That when times are tough, that's, I'm the person you come to. You know, I'm the person you come to. You know, when times are things with me, when I'm seeing our family go through something, I don't go to my wife. I go to the Lord. The Lord is my source. I lean on the Lord. I don't put that pressure on her. What can she do? You know, I put, my, I put it all on the Lord. Joy does the same thing for me. No point, no point with me. If, I can't, if I'm not physically able to do it, then it goes to the Lord. That's how it works. That's how it works, right? God teaches us this through prayer. He teaches us how to rely on him, even when there's no answers. We still rely. We still believe God's going to do something. Just because he didn't answer me now doesn't mean it's not going to happen. I'm going to tell you, don't give up your dreams. Look at Joy. At 15, she had a dream. It came to pass. It took a lot of time in her life. She had forgot about it, I almost think, you know? But as soon as that was said to her, it was like that thought just brought it all back. She was 15 again. I mean, just crazy, right? We have to remind ourselves who God is, how big he is, how merciful he is, how great he is, right? And I love uh, the intimacy with which Habakkuk prays. He isn't speaking to the air or something too invisible. Man, he directed his prayer to God in a singular fashion, like he was speaking with God face to face. Man, I've heard of you. I mean, he talked to him straight up. I <laughs> like he talked to him like a man. Do something in our day, like call God out, you know? I don't think God's intimidated by us. I don't think you can pray a prayer, you know? I, I really don't. I think it took, you know, the, the irony in the beginning when I didn't know how to pray, I prayed it in the only way I knew how. I read a lot of the King James, so a lot of the time I prayed in King James. True story. Just these and thous, because that's the only way I thought God talked, you know, in the beginning. <laughs> Turns out he does understand the King James. He can read it. Uh, yeah. He's not a big fan of the NIV either, though. I'm just saying. But, uh, uh, <clears throat> you know, you will learn what your prayer language is. Let's bring worship. You, you will learn what your prayer language is. You will learn how to talk with God based off the experiences you have with God. And here's the thing. Your experience with God is going to be different with my experience with God because God is not interested in a generic experience with him. God is not interested in a generic relationship where, hey, we're face friends because we see each other uh, on Sundays. And, hey, how are you doing, God? Nice to see you. You need cup or donut, you know, coffee or donuts. It's right over here, God. Uh, and then maybe I'll talk to you before the end. And see you next Sunday. That's not how God works. God wants relationship. And each relationship is different. And how you pray and how you talk with him will be different than how you talk with me. Right? Now, the thing is about God, God is like a parent. So God does require some reverence. Right? I remember there were times where I was a kid and I talked bad. If I said anything wrong around, my, I don't know how anybody else's family was, but if I said something too sassy around my mom, I just got a little, like, nice little slap on the lips. It doesn't feel good. All right? I, now, God never does anything like that, but I can tell you there's times where I'm like, okay, I got to watch how I talk at times to the Lord. Right? Like, God is okay with me being angry. God is okay with being upset. He's not intimidated by those things. But there's also this thing where, like, I also have to understand who I am coming to. Right? How I approach God is everything. When I approached him as a preacher uh, coming up and, and, and laying hands on somebody uh, might have been the best way I think I ever could approach God. I approached God empty. God, I don't know anything. Lord, I am clueless. If we're going to, if, if, if we're going to lay hands and we're going to attempt these things that we see in the Bible, you are going to have to show up because there's no power within me. I, I'm a physical human being like anybody else. I woke up, took a shower, put 
clothes on like everybody else did, came to church like everybody, there's nothing, like I didn't plug myself into the electricity to have power within me now. It's not how it works, right? There's no way I can just go, well, I'm going to just read the right scriptures and I'll formulate this, this Bible passage thing that I read that powers me up so I can lay hands and knock everybody down. It ain't like that. God says, come to me empty so that I can fill you surrender. That's why we raise our hands in worship. We surrender. We say, Lord, it, you know, pour it into me, God. Let me, let me empty myself of all this worldly thing, of all these fleshly, of all these carnal things so that I can be filled with something more, something spiritual. We're not going to win our community by being just like them. All carnality is going to have to go. It's going to have to some point there has to be this change this shift in us and listen the only reason it doesn't happen is because we don't spend time with God because his house is not yet fully the house of prayer when the, when the house of God becomes the house of prayer when it becomes the house of prayer it will, be, it will become the house of God's will it will become the house of God's movement it will become the house of revival it will become the house of change it will become the house that's the answer has to be rooted in prayer. If you want the house of power, you have to be rooted in prayer. Prayer prayer is what's going to drive the power of the Holy Spirit. Prayer is what directs it, makes it, makes it move. When we see somebody filled up with the Holy Spirit and they begin to speak in tongues, they do so because they're full. They're full. Why? How did that begin? It began by us praying together, right? It began in prayer. When Acts 2 fell, what were they doing in the upper room? They were praying in the upper room. When the first Gentile gets saved, what was Peter doing? He was praying on the roof. When Ananias, he's sitting there in his prayer closet praying, and what does God say? Ananias, this guy named Paul is coming to you. I've sent him to you. He goes, yeah, you mean the Christian killer? Yeah, I need you to pray for him and so that the scales will fall off his eyes and he will become my servant, and I'm going to give him a big ministry, and it will come at the hands of your prayer. Listen, I think one of the greatest things in the, in the Bible is that whole sermon right there of just Ananias. How did God know Ananias? He knew him because Ananias is a man of prayer. I sometimes think, think about this. Ananias, is, he's nowhere else in the Bible. Nowhere else. But his one time alone with God in the prayer would launch Paul's ministry, which would create 75% of the New Testament because one guy who was not, not, not needing a ministry that was not needing his name be known, right, was just simply praying. He was in the right place at the right time. And you know where that was? That was the prayer closet. You want God to do something big in your life? Be in the right place at the right time. Where is that? That's the prayer closet. That's the prayer closet at your house and the prayer closet in here at the altars. That's where we're headed this morning. We're going to worship and then we're going to have a time at the altars. Amen. show each of us if there's something that's holding us back from pressing into you. And Lord, give us strength to lay that at your altar this morning.
Jesus, you are so good. 